Greetings. Welcome to the writings of Soren Kirchhoff. This is Birkegaard. Uh, today I'm going to start off reading from a, a passage in Fear and Trembling, which is Soren's uh, probably most famous book. I would use the word infamous because uh, people read this and they give up. Uh, they may get through it, but they never touch Soren ever again. <clears throat> so I'd make Soren's uh, book, Fear and Trembling, the last book of his that you would read, not the first. If there were no, <clears throat> no eternal consciousness in a man, if at the bottom of everything there were only a wild ferment, a power that twisting and dark passions produced everything great or inconsequential, if an unfathomable, insatiable emptiness lay hid beneath everything, what would life be but despair? If it were thus, if it, there were no sacred bond uh, uniting mankind, if one generation rose up after another like the leaves of the forest, if one generation succeeded the other as the songs of the birds in the woods, if the human race passed through the world like as a ship, uh, through the sea or the wind, through a desert, a thoughtless and fruitless whim, and uh, if in an eternal oblivion always lurked hungrily for its prey, and there were no power strong enough to wrest it from its clutches, how empty and devoid of comfort would life be? Uh, so that's on page 49 of the Penguin Classic, Fear and Trembling by Soren Kichol. So this was not translated by the Hongs, Howard and Edna Hong, uh, for the Princeton University Press. This is by, uh, this is the Penguin Classics. Uh, so this is the first book of Soren that I read, and, uh, I, I took some good things from the book, but it was very confusing for me. I took that doubt is okay. Doubt is a part of believing. If you don't put your faith to the test in a, in a good way, uh, chances are it's not, it's not as strong as we think it is. So um, through good times and bad times, both take faith uh, when you're going through a hard time. And some of you, let's be fair, have had, had hard lives probably. I don't know a lot of you individually. But there are people whose life is one of struggle through no fault of their own. Uh, they may have been bought in a, a, born into a tough circumstance and are spending their life just trying to get ahead and get their head above water. Um, there's others that have been blessed. And most of us are a mixed bag, you know. Uh, some of us have blessings. Some of us have hard times. And then we have to, you know, have faith in both those things, that God is working for our good in the hard times to uh, pound us into... Uh, conformity to his image and his will and the good times also that they would not make us prideful uh, it's a bit of a mankind's a bit of a trouble a trouble to work with because if god is harsh with us and lets life uh, punish us and chastise us we get bitter and angry and frustrated and negative and cynical if god blesses us we get prideful and presumptuous and uh, prejudicial. We look down on people. You know, we're we're a real mess. Uh, so uh, I'd hate to be God trying to figure out the balance there. But good thing that I'm not, of course. Um, but God, God has His hands full with us, and He had to send His Son down to this planet to rescue us from our uh, from our sin. And when we say sin, it's it is what it is. It's it's bad. It's rebellion against His His rule and His reign. And God came in the middle of that and uh, made himself one of us so that we could become more like him. So if we don't have eternity in mind, if we don't have eternity in our consciousness, everything is going to get truncated in this world. We're going to want things more desperately. 
we're not going to persevere because we feel like there's no purpose. Um, every other worldview that's not grounded in God ultimately is going to pass away, uh, like the sandcastle into the sea fall, uh, falls into the sea eventually. Every sandcastle made of sand, every castle made of sand falls into the sea eventually. That's a, a line from Jimi Hendrix, castles in the sand. Uh, but everything falls into the sea of eternity. It gets swallowed up like the abyss, like he's using that uh, that illustration <clears throat> so when we have patience it allows us to wait things out um, i'm in a really good part of my life right now uh, it feels like a second adolescence that i'm giving an opportunity to not have a lot of responsibility but to have freedom and to have agency and to do things that are fun and enjoyable uh, while at the same time trying to contribute to the common good uh, to take uh, take some time to do things that maybe some people don't have time to do uh, to help increase the goodness of the world. I uh, won't get into too much into that, but um, just take my word for it. I'm trying to engage in productive activities that don't, just don't benefit me because I have time. Time is our greatest resource. It really is. I mean, they say, uh, we say that, but this is what it means is that um, it's the one thing that we have that once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, money you can put in the bank and it can accrue interest. Uh, there's other things, I guess, that pass away that same way, but time is so ephemeral. It's it's the present, the past, and the future are all connected. And uh, but it's our most precious. It's our most precious thing, and it is a thing, I suppose. It's a created thing. I talked about recently how uh, I'm trying to get away from the clock to some degree, uh, and I used an example of lifting weights that I would always keep my uh, my alarm clock kind of shining in my direction so I could make sure that I was tracking properly, that I did it all within 40 minutes and I wasn't lollygagging on the bench getting lost in something. I just did, just do the exercise. But I decided to turn the clock away and to turn the table away. And I know what I need to do when I lift. I don't need to look at the clock. And as long as I'm maintaining my general pace, it's been very freeing not to feel the, the clock like a prison. It's just this thing that just kind of weighs on me. And I'm like, I want to enjoy the experience of lifting weights, which I'm able to do now again after three months of hurting my elbow. Excuse me there. <clears throat> Just trying to clean up my sinuses a bit. I've been trying to be more mindful of that, but every so often... Um, so I just, uh, I just stick to my routine. It's been working out really great. And then I informally check at the end to make sure I was around 40 minutes without looking at it all the time. And they say, you know, clock watchers, if you're, if you're watching the clock, time goes slow. And I would say my, my job of 30 years of being a school counselor, there were very few times that I was ever looking at the clock. I was just so busy doing stuff that, uh, and I enjoyed it uh, for the most part, that I'd never really paid attention to the clock. And uh, my seventh grade or eighth grade math teacher had a sign close to the clock. She said, clock watchers, time will pass, but will you? <laughs> In this math class, you know, you're looking at the clock, you want lunch to start, you want to get out of doing algebra or whatever. Miss Miss Schechter was her name. So she was kind of philosophical for a math teacher. All right, so we're going to read, uh, continue to preserve one's soul in patience, but eternity allows us to be very, very patient, and it should affect our day-to-day -day or minute-by-minute -minute activities and how we um, interact with people. We shouldn't feel the pressure we should allow things to kind of develop as they should. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't push a bit. It doesn't mean we don't pull a bit. 
but it also means that we don't have this uh, desperation or this need to do something immediately. It's impulsiveness, you know, this this drive to maximize everything every moment. That's just, it's an unlivable state. So patience should give us uh, a deep serenity, a tranquility inside of us that uh, is hard to trigger into impatience. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen occasionally. Uh, I was down in D.C. last Wednesday. That's why I did the podcast on Monday. I was going down to see a friend who was in town from the West Coast. And we we're going to hang out that night and uh, the following morning just for a bit. And I was waiting in line. Uh, it's about 6 a.m. at the Union Station, which is where Amtrak is, of course. If you don't know that. <clears throat> but if you do, I don't mean to be redundant. And uh, I was waiting in line. It was a pretty long line for some food. It was the only... Uh, only only, uh, you know, uh, place that was open downstairs in the food court. And I had to get there early because there was some kind of protest that Amtrak had told me. It was going to be a First Amendment protest. It was about the um, Gaza Gaza war right now. But it was going to be a protest. And they said, get to get the Union Station early just in case the protest disrupts things. So I was there, there earlier than I wanted to be. <clears throat> but I got up early and trucked across town and got to the station. And I was waiting in line at this uh, fast food joint. Uh, the food court, and it just was taking too long, and I wasn't pissed off or anything, but I was just like, I'm just not going to wait. Uh, so I said, excuse me, and I uh, walked out from the front of the line. It was just easier rather than going behind me, because the front of the line was a little bit shorter than the back of the line, and it twisted and turned through these one of those, those like ropes and things, or those, you know, how, how you kind of guide customers through. <clears throat> and uh, a, a woman in front of me kind of got irritated with me, and she said, you should have said excuse me, and I was like, well, I kind of did. Uh, but you didn't hear me. Uh, I didn't say it to her. I just walked away. I didn't engage it. Uh, I could have turned it into more than it was. I just decided to apologize and say sorry. Walk away and say it louder so she heard me. Uh, but uh, I, I didn't engage it. I didn't say anything. I just walked away. And that's patience to me. I was being impatient in one way. They don't want to wait for my food. Uh, but I wasn't irritated. I just was like, eh, it's not worth it. Uh, and then she, she said that statement and it was, you know, something that could have provoked more of a conversation or a discussion and I just decided not to feed into it and, uh, say, well, I did say, excuse me. You just didn't hear me. Uh, I apologize. You know, apologize. You can't hear it correctly and be a smart aleck about it. But I just walked away and apologized, said, sorry, and continued on. And then I got upstairs and was waiting for my train. And I uh, saw this, this gentleman dressed up in a very interesting, creative kind of, uh, dress that day and I just complimented on him on that and uh, we got in this really interesting conversation and wound up talking on the train for two hours on the way back so patience is also being willing to uh, not carry one situation into another not to have a bad attitude since somebody kind of corrected me when I didn't do anything wrong and uh, I could have just sat there and stewed my juices a bit but I decided to engage this gentleman and uh, I won't get too much more into that, but patience is this, this, uh, this uh, condition, this state that the world should have a hard time upsetting. It's an internal gyroscope that we're set to eternity. And as Swarm po- points out in this passage uh, through the uh, synonymous Johannes de Silencio, that if we didn't have eternity, we didn't have eternal consciousness, everything would be a wild ferment, a tumult. Uh, everything would be meaningless. Uh, so we're going to continue on today, uh, how patience helps us. Or is patience perhaps a phantom figure? And this is going to be a little bit of a, um, 
a review. Let me start up a little bit higher, actually, but it's going to be a review for a bit. It is, uh, it is in truth, as patience itself says, it abandons no one. So patience, a faithful friend, does not abandon anyone in any distress, even when one defiantly pushes it away. It still waits for him, and woe to him if he never reconciled himself with it. Uh, patience is is uh, is eternity speaking to us. Uh, it's a, it's God's voice. Uh, God is patient with us, but he, he whispers to us usually. Reconciled himself with it because it still wants for him, and it will judge him sometime when it gloriously manifests that patience was capable of overcoming everything, is capable of forcing the submission out of impatience itself. So perhaps another word for patience is perseverance, and that's a quality of uh, life. It's a characteristic of individuals who are successful, that they don't give up when they encounter resistance. They continue on. And, um, you know, it takes wisdom to figure out when you're supposed to stick with something and when you're supposed to abandon ship. Uh, There's wisdom required there. Some people stick too long in things that they should have jettisoned. Uh, like cargo uh, from a plane that's ready to crash into a mountain. You have to give certain things up that are lower priorities in order to get the lift that you need uh, over the mountain. Or is patience perhaps a phantom figure that beckons in the clouds that has itself experienced nothing, attempted nothing in life? Patience. This spiritual advisor that knows every distress and every suffering and has persevered and perseveres with it until it will not go on. No, until it cannot, because finally impatience itself is unwilling. Is patience perhaps unsympathetic because its righteous wrath is terrible, or is it not always merciful? Oh, it is in the truth. It is, oh, it is in truth that, that compassionate Samaritan, no matter how deep the wound is, how old, even how malignant, if only the sufferer utters even a faint wish that patience comes that knows how to bind up the wound how to pour oil on it it always has a little cordial for the sick one always has a little fun for traveling expenses just enough for the next moment god does provide patience but he doesn't give it in large dollops he provides it for the moment i would say that's that's my experience and sometimes in, in, in stressful situations, we just have to click on to the eternal kind of consciousness for a moment in order to provide space in a, in a situation where I feel like the walls are collapsing in us, the air is getting thin. Just take a deep breath and ask God to kind of come into that moment and create eternity in the midst of that, uh, that situation. There's only a little, uh, not because patience is unwilling to give more, but it does not have much at its disposal. Patience is humble. It must be sparing with the little it has. Patience is always just as just as active as it is passive. And there's two uh, Danish words here that I'm going to avoid trying to pronounce. The first one is active, H-A-N-D-L-E-N-D-E. That is passive, L-I-D-E-N-D-E. And just as passive as active, patience comforts the sick one, excuse me, so that he is capable of this little. It tells him the truth in relation to the condition in which I found you. It is already much that you are capable of doing this little. And if you were really grateful, it would seem marvelous to you. 
that kind of talk is difficult because one is loath to hear the words in relation to and would very much like to forget what they bring to mind if one could immediately begin again as if nothing had happened or if one could still be helped for a little longer alas we were all in debt to patience patience can justly say to all of us in relation to and yet not mercifully it does not say it often hmm here too patience knows very well where the danger and the terror are that they do not arise because one does not manage to carry through one's plans, does not recover one's earthly losses, does not gain something temporal, does not find some new pleasure to keep one from being nauseated by life. Patience does not fear such things, and it is still it still has a good hope and reserve against those dangers, but patience and that allows us to resist things that we should not go down paths we should not go down patience allows us to see through the the uh, deception and the delusion let's just see the end from the beginning but patience discovers hope and reserve against these dangers but patience discovers that the danger was whether the old condition could continue and make the sickness even more dreadful if that were possible before the sick one learned again where the danger really was does patience then, does patience then have uh, something in common with that miserable common sensicality that comprehends that desire nevertheless ends sometimes and ends in nausea, that hardship sometimes ends in despair, and therefore thinks uh, that the sagacious thing to do is to take care to be neither cold nor hot. Uh, so uh, Soren's saying it might be easy just to be milly-mally about things, but it's not. Um, we have to take a position. Uh, compromise in the middle is often a dangerous place. It can be. As if there were not the most despairing condition of all. And so that's a reference to Revelation, of course, where Jesus is criticizing the church of Laodicea that they're neither cold nor hot. It's a bad place to be. God wants us to be for him. Uh, if we're for him, he's for us. He's still for us, even if we're not for him. That's what conversion is. If this were not the most despairing condition of all, or does not patience perceive that the greatest danger is that the elucidating understanding fears prove not to be the case, for then not even patience could comfort any more. Now it can, if only the sick one desires, since the danger is whether the sick one is allowed to emancipate, emancipate himself from the eternal. To wither away in common sensicality, uh, I feel like I'm nailing that word today, to expire in callousness, to be desold in spiritlessness. And against this danger, there is still a resource. He, he who, believing, continues to aspire to the eternal, becomes satiated in such a way that he does not continue blessedly to hunger. He who hopefully looks to the future can never be petrified at some moment by the past, at some moment by the past, because he always turns is back to it. He who loves God and human beings still continually has enough to do. Even when needed is the greatest and despair. Even when need is the great greatest and despair is the most imminent. Before he lies down to die, he asks one again, do I love God just as much as before? And do I love the common concerns of human beings? If he dares to answer in the affirmative, then he does not die or he dies saved. 
If he dares not, then he certainly has enough to do. Then in love, then in love, for the sake of his love, he must deliberate whether it is not possible to see, to glimpse, to presage the joy and comfort that still must hide in sadness, since this must truly serve him for good. God can use all things for our good. And even he finds nothing, this deliberation, even if he finds nothing, this deliberation will serve him for the good. This deliberation that the impatient person who is teeming with ideas and so inventive in, ter in terms of phrase would still be able to do more beautifully if he wanted to. Let me uh, blow my nose here. My apologies. I'm really trying not to uh, be overly, uh, overly uh, sinus-oriented today. Like I said, this uh, condition is kind of... Uh, <clears throat> the morning time for me. <laughs> if, I, if I did this at night, I'd be drinking beer. But that seems not to be kind of what Soren did. He liked his coffee, so. We're going to have to put up with it to a degree. I'm a human being. I'm not a machine. Uh, shall we now say, happy the unfortunate one who lay on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem because patience passed by him as the good Samaritan. Shall we begin from the beginning, or shall we not say that it passes everyone and happy the person who himself was not to blame that it passed by him without helping. Indeed, uh, this is why we call God the God of patience, because he himself is patience and is, ne is nowhere far from us. To preserve one's soul in patience. So again, this is a, a verse from Jesus' own mouth talking to the disciples when they were marveling uh, about how beautiful, magnificent the temple was. And Jesus told them in 40 years, this temple will be destroyed. Um, but you can have patience in the midst of all that. To preserve one's soul in patience. Uh, Jesus was just imploring the disciples to put their faith in him, not in the outward examples or illustrations of God's, <clears throat> God's uh, working with his people. And the temple was that because the temple ultimately was to pass away because of disobedience, right? To preserve one's soul and patience, and this is the idea, like the church is a people, it's not a place, it's not a building, it's a, it's a group of people. Just like a school is not the uh, bricks and the um, classrooms and the hallways, it's the kids and then the staff that work there, that's the school. That's the organic unity of a school, it's not the, not the physical structure. <clears throat> To preserve one's soul in patience, that is to hold it in the uh, power of patience so that it does not slip away. When the terrible struggle is with the eternal, with God, and with oneself, because the struggle is such that the person who loses the eternal loses God and himself. <clears throat> and the person who loses God loses the eternal himself, and the person who loses himself loses the eternal in God. This is indeed the way it is. Uh, so this, uh, if the world gets us to lose our per eternal perspective, we lose ourselves. Uh, there's a lot of people that think that if they don't have any faith, that somehow that's freedom. Uh, but they're still going to die. And they're still going to be haunted by the idea that their life is meaninglessness because everything passes away. Everything falls apart. And unless it's girded and, and, and the foundation is in God and eternity... 
Uh, they're going to be this haunting voice, this haunting echo that reminds them that everything is irrelevant, everything is vanity, and all this striving and all this struggle ultimately doesn't mean a pile of anything. The person who loses God loses the eternal and himself, and the person who loses himself loses the eternal and God. This is indeed the way it is, as a simple person can easily understand, and the educated person could only demand that it be made somewhat more difficult so that he might better understand it. <laughs> That's what us educated people do. We always want to make things more complicated than they are. That's, that's, uh, that's a fact. Whether with the help of patience in life's distress, a person accepted the comfort that the danger was different from what that he thought it was, or a person himself discovered the danger and the terror, and this is losing eternity, and in good time was cured of fearing what corrupts the body. Uh... Jesus said not to fear what corrupts the body and the thief that can break in and steal or those that can take our lives. They can't take our soul. Only we can do that to ourselves. What corrupts the body, the struggle itself can still be terrible. So it's not easy, of course. At the same moment when the soul perceives this, it promptly needs patience lest it retreat and prefer to fight the futile struggle with the world. <laughs> if patience has helped until now, then it is appropriate to use its assistance again in order to understand in all quietness that the most crucial issues are decided slowly. Little by little, not in haste. And all at once, in the struggle, patience is the sole sovereign. It is uh, not to be confused with anything else. It prescribes the laws and it awards the symbol of victory. Let me just reread that because I think it's powerful. Crucial issues are decided slowly, little by little, not in haste and, uh, and all at once. And the struggle of patience is the sole sovereign. It's not to be confused with anything else. It prescribes the laws and it, it awards the symbol of victory. If you have an important decision to make, uh, usually quick decisions can be dangerous. There are times where life requires us uh, to make a quick decision that's important. It's not just what you want for breakfast or something. The most weighty decisions you have to push back on and, and buy the time that you need in order to, uh, to figure it out. I find it very useful to write when I'm in those situations to kind of describe what I see, to make it real, to make it tangible. So if I'm in a complex situation, I like to uh, write an email if I'm, if I'm dialoguing with somebody on a complicated situation, emails can be more of a problem, but sometimes they can be very useful. Uh, allows us to uh, think through what we're considering in a logical way. Or you can just write it to yourself. You know, get out a sheet of paper on the computer. And then see it, and then start to weigh it, and winnow it, and break it down, and think about what's going on, and why it's going on, and why the decision's so important. It may be rather obvious or it might be something that we're not sure why we're being tugged in a certain direction um, it's good to walk sometimes to buy that space uh, you know if you have a big decision to make they say that uh, walking is therapeutically almost as effective if not more effective than medication and, and treating like mild depression now, i'm not talking about clinical pathological depression like a person's bipolar they're going to need more than that but if you're going through a hard time and you're blue about it and you exhibit some signs of depression of a longer nature, going for a walk can also um, can often help. It can often uh, 
help free your body from the trap uh, that you feel stuck. Um, I try to move every day, whether I'm going to go out for a walk or play some diff, disc golf or go for a bike ride. Uh, there's something about it that frees your soul. If your body starts to move, your soul also starts to breathe. And uh, go out and walk and, uh, you know, ponder something and think about it and don't be too much under pressure to come up, try to come up with a solution. Just try to understand it. I think the solution has become more apparent the more we understand something. It's not actually the, the problem-solving piece that's essential. It's understanding the problem to start with. You have to understand the problem to start with to, to problem-solve. And often a grasp of the problem allows your mind and your soul to figure out what the solution is. Um, but Soren continues, but this is not learned immediately and the soul must fight many a hard battle and many, time, and many a time must begin from the beginning. Then impatience, which has its spies everywhere, sneaks in there also. It has assumed a new form designed specifically for the struggler's condition. It is not ingratiating, not defiant, nor defiant, and stubborn, it is it is anxious. Uh, so when we begin to lose uh, patience, we become anxious. That's true. Let no one venture to spy inquisitively on the soul when it is struggling in extreme anxiety. Uh, anxiety is often a, a fear about the future. Now it may be based in a rational fear of the future, or it may be based in something that your mind is getting way ahead of itself and considering conditions and eventualities that will never happen. I do that sometimes. Most terribly when eternity transforms itself into a moment and then this moment will nevertheless be decisive for all eternity. Then impatience sighs its last anxious sigh. It is too late. So uh, we always want to take that, uh, that time to let God speak to us and to create eternity in a, in a moment. And I mentioned this previously at school often in challenging situations that you know came to my door that I didn't see coming. I often took a mental break just for a moment to say, God, you know, I want to create some space in my soul and in my mind for you to speak. And um, outwardly, uh, it wasn't apparent that I was doing that, but I just wanted a moment for eternity to weigh in and to develop that eternal consciousness. Is there no danger then? And patience itself screams that there is. But patience has discovered the danger that da that the danger is not that it is too late, but that impatience itself is wasting the last moment. What human beings what human being was ever as mean as impatience? It is not friendship of source. Is it not friendship of source of sorts to sit with him, the unfortunate one, and wring one's hand and wail with him and make him forget? That there was time, it comes from Job, of course, <clears throat> that his friends sat with him for a while and then started becoming advice churners. They started giving advice and assessments of Job's condition, which was uh, them being unrighteous to Job. Often people just need a presence. They don't need answers. Uh, and I'm going to be uh, meeting with some friends coming up recently that have gone through some hard times. And uh, I'm just imploring myself to just listen and not to try to uh, be platinitudinous with my full philosophical mind. Uh, just hear them out. Let them suffer and let them grieve. That's what they need. That's part of the healing process. If patience uh, does have a resource here, it certainly has nothing in common with a miserable common sensicality. 
because that never speaks of such distress, scarcely knows that exist. And even in that understanding, and even in the understanding has a word that seems to be appropriate. It is only a deception. That was once a king well known among the people, even in this generation. He rambles around capriciously in anecdotes, uh, just as he did in life. That he has a saying, tomorrow there's another day, author and dog. This is essentially a comforting phrase that he understands very light-mindedly. But for uh, that reason, this is what the legend seems to want to teach us. He also has a wish, or had a wish, the fulfillment of which would compensate him for the blessedness of heaven in case it had uh, always been true, also in eternity, tomorrow is another day. Patience has another phrase, a powerful phrase, just when the anxious one, just what the anxious one needs, this very day. so God gives us patience for today, like manna from heaven. This very day, says the Lord. And that's also a warning. Uh, that's a warning uh, that, that uh, this very day your soul will be required of you. So we, we have to be mindful that we're, we're just a moment away from eternity every, every moment. This very day, says the Lord, uh, let us not rashly venture to fathom deeply the mystery here. Let us uh, not become too engrossed in this phrase, but let us not forget either that the, that it is there, let us regard it as an angel of deliverance who stands there with a flaming sword. That's a reference to Eden, uh, when Adam and Eve were booted from the garden, that there was an angel was there with a flaming sword, keeping them from going back to paradise. And every time the soul is about to rush out to the outmost boundary of despair, it must pass by him. He judges the soul but also strengthens it. The phrase is like a mighty warrior who stands at his post on the outermost boundary of the kingdom, always engaged in that terrible border dispute. Uh, When people in the interior of the country have an intimation of the terror and the women and the children rush out, he stands there, he soberly turns them back, take courage, I am standing here. It never dozes off, goes home again. Prepare your souls and patience and quiet alertness. Thus the phrase gives comfort to a person and will comfort him and will also come to meet him and comfort him before he goes very far. My listeners, surely you have struggled in this conflict in which one does not struggle with the world and does not struggle with the aid of cunning and power because all one's cunning has been seen through and all eternal external power is powerless. What your struggle was, we do not know. Whether you struggle with the repercussions of a dissolute life, whether it was your thoughts that had plotted against you and stood up like the Pharisees to tempt you with crafty talk, uh, to take that next moment to that next moment they brought upon you every horror you dreaded. Indeed, you did not even dare to, uh, to give thanks that any of them was admitted to give thanks that any of them was admitted since it seemed as if it would immediately file upon this invitation whether it was an offense you saw if you could uh, not get rid of the sight of it we do not know but probably you indeed also fight the good fight that's a word from paul and did overcome and calm your soul in patience oh but the moment also came when you did not overcome the temptation but the temptation overcame you Then when everything was lost, when you were alone with your defeat, when the silence deepened around you and from afar despair beckoned you, 
and its enthusiasm already wanted to intoxicate you. Alas, despair also, too, and, and an enthusiasm. Then perhaps these words came to, my, to mind. God will make the temptation and its outcome such that we're able to bear it. Not only the temptation as we know, but we, uh, we confess and happy is he who needs no other gospel. Uh, just, uh, you know, this, this ability to just outweigh trouble and just to be faithful in the midst of trouble. It's the greatest spiritual gift of all. But also to out, out, also its outcome. And the outcome of the temptation is frequently the most dangerous temptation, whether we were victorious and were tempted to arrogance uh, and thus fell after having been victorious. That can happen for sure. Or we lost so that we were tempted to want to lose everything. The words came to your mind, your soul became sober again, and patience began its good work again. So let us not forget the phrase, not the latter phrase, that it is there, and not the earlier phrase that comes to meet us, praise be the God of patience. This is the end of the discourse. So there's still a little bit more left here, so I'm going to finish this up uh, to preserve one soul in patience, and then we move on to patience and expectancy. So hold on here, folks. We're going to finish this up. We have spoken about the power of patience to preserve the soul. We have spoken as its patience were outside a person. We are as well that this is not so. So patience is inside of us. It's a gift of God. And nevertheless, I ask you, you who know better how to praise it than I, know better how to accomplish the good, how to commend it to people, since you have known it better more inwardly and for a longer time, was it nevertheless not so at times when concerned and your laboring thoughts piled up deliberations that were no benefit except to give birth to new deliberations. And then uh, the plain and simple, but nevertheless forgotten words of patience prodded you from another direction. Was it not patience that stood on the outside? We have made it appear as if patience were outside and we have let it speak as it were for itself. But who speaks properly about it? The older person who is old in years, old in experience, venerable, venerable in patience. Yes, it is truly beneficial to hear him. He does a good deed by speaking since only he has the proper authorization in comparison with all other education, all seductive glory of uh, the mind, all the eloquence of the angels are but vanity and jest. But sometimes... It is not easy for the older person to speak uh, speak simply, solely, and purely out of patience and to witness only to that. He saw much, he experienced much, he learned many priceless words, which are still not those of patience, but of life experience with which he can benefit himself and also others, but not, uh, not always another. The younger person knows little. The moment may come when, it, when it, it is manifest that he exerted his thoughts and his eloquence for nothing, when it manifests his words were a fraud, when it manifests that its words were a fraud, not to deceive others from it, but a fraud in which he himself was deceived, then he will ever, you know, he will even have done damage, done damage with the view that perhaps could not be carried through, done damage by making people busy themselves with ridiculing the physicians who cannot help them himself, ridiculing the one who was strong in patience at a distance and thereby forgetting to pay heed to themselves and to consider the business that every human being has with himself. 
we're almost done here. You see, this is why you see, this you see is why we chose to let patience itself speak. It does not seek confirmation in someone's experience, but as it says, will gloriously strengthen every experience. It does not seek borrowed bombast, but it says will stand behind what it promises. And this every human being ought to be prepared for to bind himself by the charter that if patience ever collapses for him then the kingdom of eternity thereby drops out of his hand. He nevertheless will at least exert his soul, his whole soul for the last time to praise patience and to do justice to saying it was innocent. Praise be the God of patience. This is the end of the discourse. Oh, man. So we're at 4016 here. I think we're going to conclude for today. I'll spare you uh, the updates on life. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Thank you once again for the great privilege of doing this podcast. Uh, just to give you a couple reminders about how this podcast kind of operates is I'm not necessarily super geared on finding guests because a lot of people out there don't know Soren particularly well. And some of the people that do know him well in a way are not Christians, and that's too much of a battle for me to fight with somebody to interview. Uh, if somebody's not a faithful Orthodox Christian, they have to accept that part of Soren uh, for me to have them on this podcast. I don't want to be a discouragement to people. There's enough of that in the world. If you need discouragement, you can find that in a thousand places. I believe in the gospel. I believe Soren was appointed by God to explain spiritual truths. Uh, these are truths. These are not just... Um, faith statements that are not grounded in the deepest realities that we know. Um, and Soren would point us towards Christ, who is the truth. Uh, one of the things I've had to do recently is kind of reorient my mind away from Soren to some degree so that I, I'm continually getting fed from a lot of different streams of thought. I don't want to become so Soren-centric that I lose a kind of a healthy balance. Uh, so I'm just focusing on reading uh, this um, this book, Upbuilding, 18 Upbuilding Discourses, along with, uh, you know, starting to wade through again, uh, Fear and Trembling, hopefully for the second time I get more of what Soren's getting at. Uh, the only thing I brought from it before, that it's okay to struggle, that Abraham was not uh, in any way at peace with what God had called them to do, uh, to sacrifice his son, that he was in a jagged state of uh, despair uh, those three days that he had to go to Mount Moriah. And that was very helpful because uh, I think all of us go through those times in life that we feel that God has put us in an impossible situation. And uh, we can re be resolute and walk towards it. It doesn't mean that it's easy or that we're happy about it. And uh, I think that needs to be articulated more in the faith. Uh, just because we have faith doesn't mean all of our problems go away, that we have answers to everything, that we ourselves are anywhere close to what we need to be that it is a struggle at times, but there's great beauty in the midst of life. Uh, there's a combination of trials and triumphs, uh, and both can help us and both can hurt us, depending on our faith perspective. But do th I do thank you for the privilege of being able to do this podcast, and uh, I'm just going to, there's 33 books upstairs that still need to be read, and uh, I could do this once a week until I'm 100 years old if I happen to live that long, and will probably not exhaust the supply. So, uh, we have plenty, plenty to bring to the table. But having Jeremiah on was really fun last week, uh, really interesting, and he's a talented dude. And I think uh, we're soul brothers. We both have brought 
uh, brought Soren's, Soren's writings into our souls uh, for the good of ourselves and others. So be at peace. God is with us, and he walks with us through this life and into eternity.